Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. This is a bit of a solemn time for America. Roe versus Wade was overturned and it's a catastrophic period in our nation's history where feminists fought so hard for the right to women's bodily autonomy. And if you're out there protesting on the streets, then I just say, please be safe, stay hydrated. If you're feeling angry and helpless, I recommend that you take a moment to just donate a couple bucks to an organization called RAP, W-R-R-A-P, which stands for Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. They're an organization that assists women who are financially unable to pay for safe legal abortions or find emergency contraceptives. So take a moment to visit RAP's website and just donate whatever you can. I'm unemployed at the moment, so I could only donate $10, but that's still something I can afford to do for something that I believe in. And it helps me quell my anger and my sadness at this time. If you donate to Planned Parenthood or whatever other organizations you find, I mean, I think that's still very helpful, okay? Just donate to any organization right now that is going to help women's uh, right to abortion, and help with women's reproductive health. Today's show is Our Blues. It is a No Hee-kyung drama from TVN currently streaming on Netflix. And No Hee-kyung has showrunner status in Korea. She is a hit maker. She wrote tremendous shows like Worlds Within, It's Okay That's Love, Dear My Friends, and Live. All of No Hee-kyung's shows deal with some form of impossible mother-child tension history, and disability. You see mental health getting explored in shows like It's Okay, That's Love. You see aging as a form of disability on Dear My Friends. There's also a character on Dear My Friends who has a limp because of a physical disability played by actor Kim Jong-hwan. Kim Jong-hwan is the same actor you see playing Chun-hee's son in, in Our Blues. He's the son who becomes comatose. And Dear My Friends also has Yeonha, played by Choin Sung, who is wheelchair bound. So Our Blues also, consistent with Noh Hee-kyung's other works, is going to explore disability and with greater integration. We see depression, which is uh, very visible in Seonha's character, played by Shin Mina. I thought the use of water in the first scene when we are first introduced to Sana's present day character was a very creative use to describe depression. And depression, for those who've ever felt it, it usually feels like endless cold water inside and outside of the body. So I thought that was a very clever uh, device for television. You have actress Yi Sobyeol, who plays Pyeol, and she is a deaf woman who sells coffee at the market and very much a part of the Jeju market community. Then you have actress Chung Eun-hye, who plays Young-hee, who is Young-wook's twin older sister who has Down syndrome. A very important scene on Our Blues for me is how they handle disabilities on screen. So when Kim Woo-bin's character Chung Jun is caught off guard when he first meets Young-hee, it's a very critical moment. Youngwook accuses him of staring and she becomes very defensive about it. But Jun takes the time to explain to her that he's never heard of the word Down syndrome before in his life and he's never met somebody with Down syndrome. So his initial response was all he was capable of in that moment. But now that he knows, he can continue to learn and behave with more sensitivity. 
this moment is extremely important for us to learn from because we see that Youngwook is very righteous in her defensiveness. She has a very painful history around her sister's Down syndrome because she was unfairly asked to be her sister's caretaker from a very young age, and that isn't fair. But her defensiveness also comes from a place of hurt. If we only respond to people's mistakes and ignorance with anger and defensiveness, we can never make progress. We have to make peace with what makes us defensive. That's the only way that we can offer grace to others who want to take steps towards progression, but feel afraid of getting antagonized or called stupid. And if they're limited by that fear, then there is no progress, right? So I really, really love this scene in our blues because it shows that this balance has to come from an effort on both sides, not just one. Another important element for me in this story was teenage pregnancy. South Korea's abortion laws are still very new to the country, and it only became legal a year or so ago, which means that the nitty-gritty details of abortion laws are still very entangled in a patriarchal mess. The way that the male doctor speaks to and treats the young, young pregnant teenager Youngju was infuriating to me. That scene is representative of the way that abortion law functions in countries like America and South Korea. It's a law that's made by men who don't understand the needs or the bodies of women, not in the least. It's very crude, inhumane, dehumanizing, and out of touch. You see that Youngju was a very scared teenager asking for help, but this man was a complete asshole to her. Getting pregnant makes a woman reassess her entire life in a completely different light. One becomes responsible for another human being's life, and that's enormous pressure. It's also frightening. I have a friend who is pregnant and in her third trimester right now, and she has a C-section next month, and she's terrified. Giving birth always comes with complications. It's never a smooth and easy process for anybody, and nobody should take it lightly. And when a woman says that she wants an abortion, it's her right to decide what is right for her body and nobody else's. Even that scene when the female doctor asks Youngju if she wants to hear the heartbeat, she didn't wait for an answer from Youngju. She just played the sound. It's very clear, like, she never said yes, right? So that part of the scene made me angry, too. If you're giving her a choice, why aren't you waiting for a complete answer? Then Youngju and Hyun decide to become parents, and their toxic fathers both insist on aborting the child, right? And this is because of their own personal conflict with each other when the teenagers have decided to become parents on their own accord. In fact, the most violent scene on this show for me was when Hyun's dad, Inguan, grabs Youngju by the wrist and starts dragging her to the hospital to abort her child. It was such a messed up imagery. This show has a unique omnibus style with a large ensemble cast. It dedicates each episode to two people at a time, showing their relationship in full detail. It explores romantic love, parental love, friendship, and sibling love. The last two episodes are dedicated to Dongseok and Ukdong, and this was the most emotional uh, two episodes of the show for me. A son who holds a toxic slew of grudge against his elderly mother finds out that she is dying of cancer. His girlfriend tells him to confront his mother and say everything he has on his mind. Later, when Dongseok demands an apology from his mother, Okdong blankly asks why she should feel sorry at all. There is a very interesting scene when Dongseok and Okdong are at a Chinese restaurant and, and Dongseok carries out at the owner who serves another table before theirs. This very minor injustice feels enormous to Dongseok because he feels victim to the major injustices he suffered while living with his mother Okdong. The confrontation continues and Okdong finally answers. And she says, how could a crazy woman ever feel sorry? So Dongseok is now realizing that Okdong had resigned herself to madness. She knew that every decision she made made her son feel unworthy and unloved. And they were enormous mistakes that she could never come back from. And the guilt of this on her conscience was only alleviated when she decided to call herself insane. Okdong, despite these troubles, 
she really wanted to believe that becoming a second wife to a married man was doing right by her child, giving him a home and food to eat, she thought was the bare minimum that she could do for him after her husband died, right? Dongseok suffered by getting beaten up by his step-siblings regularly, and he was also abused by his mother physically. He was also neglected and deprived of any love from his family since he was a child. But it's only when Dongseok starts to make amends with his mother that his resentment goes away, and the way to do that is by showing his love and care by listening to all her requests. It's only when we make peace with our past that our present and future can transform. And I really loved Dongseok and Okdong's story. And I really love this show. I think this is probably Noh Hikyung's best work to date. Today's guest is Rishi Araya. He is an LA-based comedian with a very interesting career and history that starts out in Canada, in the music scene, and then eventually New York, and now here, where he is a comedian and actor. Let's talk to Rishi Araya. What were you doing in Santa Monica? I was, uh, I, oh, man, very weird story. I, um, I entered this contest on Facebook to get a very expensive portrait of my dog. And, yeah. uh, I, and I won. <gasps> so today, yeah, <laughs> so today I went and I uh, took my dog there. It was a very fancy place. Very classy. I had to like really say, Hey, I just want to make sure I won the contest. Before we start turning on cameras, you're not going to give me a bill for like nine grand or something. <laughs> yeah. And I go, yeah, 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 don't worry. Because the only thing is, if you want to, you know, get something fancier, we'll, we'll apply it. But yeah, so went there and uh, took some pictures with my dog, like value of $2,500. And uh, there for two hours. I'm in the, me and my wife are in the pictures too, but it's really just about him. Damn. And uh, yeah, so we're doing that. That's awesome. That's yeah, <laughs> it's a random story. Yeah. Yeah. No, congratulations yeah. on getting that. Well, congratulations to your dog, Norman, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's, I, he had yeah, no idea I, what was going on the whole time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, Aww. okay, do you guys want to be in the picture too? Do you want it to be like, you want it to capture the. I was like, no, nah, just really, I, we want him to be the guy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. This is his day. This is his portrait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> I love your dog. Your dog's so cute. Yeah, he's the best. He's my life. I'd give him. I mean, yeah, a new heart. Be like, just kill me and take mine and, and put it in him. Yeah, yeah. And he won't even no. know. He won't even know I did it. He won't even uh, know. It would. <laughs> it would make no difference to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love your dog. I met him last year at Kadi Asad's birthday. Oh birthday yes, that's party. true. I bring, yeah, I brought him yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I bring him yeah. to flashback a lot. So I thought maybe you. Oh, I've never seen him at flashback actually. Yeah. I've seen you at flashback a bunch of times when I was yeah, going yeah, there a lot last year, but I never saw yeah, your yeah. dog there. I brought um, him. There. I love your dog. He's such a good dog too. Like yeah, yeah. I I, remember... He's my tenth. He's my tenth dog. And oh, you've had a lot of one. dogs. I've had a lot. He's the best one I've ever had. Wow, and he's a rescue a... and just randomly happened. You know what I think it is? It's because it's the first dog I've had where it's just me and my wife, I guess, having him alone, yeah. whereas the other time yeah. my family. It's sure. probably picking up on the energy of like my father. <laughs> the, other, the other ones and they're like, they weren't exactly. good, you know? So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, they they know. They know instinctively like who's the alpha in the pack. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, in in the case when you were growing up with these dogs, they knew that your dad was the alpha. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. you were just part of the pack, like to like your another, dog. Another dog. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember the story you told me when you were adopting Norman. It was like such an intense one, and like, it was tough. It was hard to get you, him. Yeah, you were super dedicated, and you were just like yeah. gunning for him. You were just like, "This is my dog." Yeah, do and it was very stressful. It was like the definition of a first world problem because I was super mm. stressed. You're trying to get this dog. I was like, I don't get this yeah. fucking dog. It's like, then yeah. I got him. But yeah, they were yeah. really trying to not give him to me. Uh, it's so weird. It's so weird. No, they, it's, it's a shelter. Time, and, yeah, but you know. the thing is, these shelters, you know, they I think they sell the dogs to rescues. You turn around and sell them for like a grand. It's a, it's they a don't racket. necessarily like if you want to go there and you get a, you get a dying dog with one leg, they'll give it. They'll give you three of those. But uh, it's kind of like I just wanted this normal 
kind of a bigger dog that nobody wanted. The guy even told me nobody wanted this one, which I was surprised yeah. about. But then I guess once I wanted him, they're like, hmm. <laughs> you Suddenly, know, like maybe, the value went yeah, up. Yeah, All of a sudden, like, well, we promised him to a rescue. I go, you literally told me the opposite of that. But I gave in. So stupid. It's. Yeah, I, I really got into the deep underbelly of the dog yes, trading you did. world. You know? Yes, you did. So, yes, like you I was did. meeting uh, Mexican families and liquor stores <laughs> trying to buy their dog. Like, it was like that. I was like, and I'd be talking to the kids, but the parents don't speak English. And I'm like, are you okay selling this dog? I don't know if I'm just like taking this child's dog. Like, yeah, 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 it's fine. I was like, okay. I would just like to get it checked out by a vet just to make sure it's not safe. They go, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> you know, so I don't even know what they're selling me. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was, it was hard getting a dog. And you'd think it'd be like that. You'd just see, you'd yeah. see them. I should have just, just driven to an area and just found a stray one. Picked it up, you but. just picked it up and take it. Oh, you yeah. fall in love with, like, I, because I remember I was working with my wife's best friend because she's a volunteer in these places. So she, she was giving me advice. And she was always saying, like, no, but, you know, don't force it. You're going to find a dog that you fall in love with. And that's what I was like. It just didn't mean anything to me. I was like, sure, yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah. But I, it's like, what happened? I found this dog. It didn't yeah. fit any of the criteria. I wanted a kind of uh -huh. small one. I was like, uh -huh. he's like a big, hairy dog. I was like, yeah, he I'm is. just kind of in love with this guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. guess that's what she was talking about this whole time. Yeah, like, yeah. now I have yeah. to have That's why it was stressful because I had to have him. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. so. once you once you have the want that's when the suffering begins yeah but it's like yeah. you, <laughs> with anything you gotta you, know? you gotta get it you gotta get it like yeah. um i watched this i was like sort of watching some friends' shows at the hollywood fringe festival and mm, yeah i saw i saw two one women shows one was by natasha mercado which was amazing and then the other one i saw last night uh by teruko and she like her one woman show was super intense like very raw like goes deep in on like alcoholic parents uh, you know domestic abuse sexual assault like goes in deep and right then yeah the the comeuppance is kind of like she gets psychological help and then after she gets more stable her psychiatrist recommends that she get a dog so yeah, okay. she she went to an animal shelter and she found this chihuahua mixed with a maltese and a yorkie so okay. it's a it's a chihuahua but it has long hair and it is so cute i have like never seen such an adorable chihuahua before right and she was just like like this was my dog like she was like i just knew that this right. was my dog. you know it's yeah. like it's it's like it's a real thing it's corny it is but it's a yeah. real thing you know? it's a real thing like you you yeah. find each other you just find yeah, each other that, if i told that to my father he'd be like ah you know like, <laughs> it's all it's all the same <laughs> you know whether it's a dog a cat yeah. a beaver yeah, yeah. you know he's like yeah whatever you know it's but an animal like, yeah. Oh, yeah 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 it's yeah. an animal that shouldn't be in the house but yeah Exactly. Yeah, for for a princess that's, like me, <laughs> it was sweet. It, was, it mattered. Yeah, that's really sweet, though. That you know, it's like you're sort of because you got married recently, and it's like you're married, sort of, like yeah, like six months ago. Yeah, yeah, it's a very new thing, and it's like you and your dog and your new wife are starting this family together, kind of. And I know, I know. That's why it feels so like personal significant yeah, yeah yeah i was wondering like i love my dog this much how much am i gonna love my kid you know? oh is that is that on the horizon uh, you want a baby yeah uh, i don't i mean it's kind of one of those things that i'm not really sitting around thinking like i really want it but it was like it's like it's kind of almost like to not want it is a bigger decision than to want it if that makes mm. sense yeah it's like when you're mad i was like well i guess yeah sure but i, I feel like that's how most people have their kids yeah. And people are like, well, that's a mistake. You got to really want to go. I think it's kind of involuntary. It's just like eventually it just kind of happens unless you make sure it doesn't, you know? So. It's similar to the dog finding you and you finding the dog thing. Yeah, like I suppose. A kid also finds you. You know, a bunch of my friends, um, I have like some older friends and uh, two of them are women. They're very successful in their careers, but they are successful in their careers for a reason they put off starting yeah, yeah, a family yeah, yeah. and oh, big so time. well there's companies my wife's company yeah. one of them, where they'll pay uh their to employees to freeze their yeah. eggs 
because they go, well, we yeah. need your, <laughs> we, we need your best years. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, which is an interesting offer. It's, it's a very interesting offer. Uh, but no, these two women, um, they froze their eggs on their own accord, like in their late thirties. And uh, they are now in their forties, like one of them's mid forties, the other one's late forties. The one that's yeah. late forties, she's been trying to get pregnant through in vitro for five times. All five times failed. That's mm. over fifty thousand dollars just down the. Yeah, because once right? you're in your fifth, once in your forties, that's considered like a geriatric pregnancy. Like they call it. That. It's. Yeah. It's no. considered cher- No, 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 no. Listen, it's considered geriatric pregnancy in your thirties, bro. Oh, it's considered really? geriatric <laughs> pregnancy when you're like 31 or 32 they consider a geriatric pregnancy you have no yeah. idea how men have zero clue as to how difficult it is to secure eggs and what a sensitive procedure that is you guys just jizz all over the place and don't give well, a shit that, but like i'm worried that my you know, sperm might be too old but i guess that doesn't happen but like maybe it's not enough sperms or something like that i, mean, I don't know the details of, the of that side? I I'm sure there is. I'm sure it's mostly their fault. But she <laughs> uh, she was she. My point is, she tried five times and she failed yeah. five times. Each yeah. time is a huge fucking ordeal for the woman yeah. and financially. And she failed yeah. five times. And then the doctor said to her, "You can't do this anymore because to really? even go to even fail three times and to attempt is like a lot." And to do it five times, it's like, no, we're not going to do it anymore. But she insisted. She was like, but no. Why, but hold on, but why? But if, well, if it works eventually, does that mean like, yeah, but since you're failing so much, if it does yeah. work, you might have complications? Okay. It was more It was more like the odds were just really against her. It was like, right. you like to, to even try in vitro in your 40s is already like, uh, it's a risk. And then to continue it a sixth time is like yeah it's almost it's like everybody's wasted time that's what the doctor said but then the sixth one worked worked it worked okay and she and actually given birth yet she had a baby two months okay. ago okay and that's a happy ending Hopefully it is a happy ending but healthy you know baby's healthy she almost died like she like she Mom, had yeah, some compli- she had some complications well, it's not even an L, it's not even an age thing. Like you keep nodding your head, like yeah, yeah, it's because she's fucking old. No, it's not. It's because yeah. it's it's because um, like all of my friends who had children, all of yeah. them had some complication. Like childbirth is mm-hmm. not. It's not a fucking walk in the park. It's not to be taken lightly. Yeah, yeah. and you I know? want I so, want to get I want, I want to get a surrogate. Like I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid for the health of my wife having a baby. Really? Wow. Yeah, because I. Just because I don't know the pain. She doesn't do well with stomach pain, just regular stomach pain. So I can't really imagine. I just, I just, I just feel like in this, I just feel like in this current climate of Roe versus Wade, like you saying this stuff right now, like women are just going to get so annoyed by it because I'm just like, just stop it. Just shut the fuck up. Don't don't get the surrogate. Don't, don't talk about anything related to women's bodies and birth, like at all. It just sounds dumb right now. No, let's get away from that. It's starting to irritate me. Um, No. uh, So like, I don't know, like, what do you, what do you do? Like, do you like audition and stuff or like? Yeah, movies, all like, the time. Yeah. That's your I hustle, huh? Two, I did two this week. I mean, now it feels like less of one because it's all on tape. It used to be like you went in and yeah. you kind of felt like you were doing something. Now it's yeah. like the equivalent of a Zoom show, <laughs> you know, where it's like, <laughs> did I, did I do it? Did this matter? Did anybody see this? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it really focuses. Mm. It really forces you to look at your real life a little bit. Like, I guess I should just get another job now. <laughs> I guess I should really try to, you know, be more yeah. of a normal adult. If this is just turning yeah. into that, you know, it's like every audition is just me entering a sweepstakes. Basically, <laughs> is what it feels like it's like I don't even know how I mean, it went. You know? Yeah. Um, how long have you been like in that grind, the whole actor's grind? Almost like ten years, like nine years. Holy shit! Yeah, I worked a lot. You know, I got a lot of stuff. I I didn't get way more stuff than I got, but uh, yeah, it just kind of becomes a lifestyle. I know, like right before the pandemic, I was going out a lot, like for a lot of pilots and stuff like that. It was like the pandemic happened like in pilot season, so yeah. that 
kind of stopped everything. But you know, it's not it's not very good for your mental health to live that way. It's like really? it's like all you're doing is job interviewing. Like most people, like kind of they get a thing for a job interview, and then you get the job, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm. Unless I switch jobs, I'm not going to do another interview. But this this job yeah. is that basically. Even yeah. if you book a job and then you're on set, you're like, oh well, then today this is it. Then I gotta, <laughs> you know, hopefully I find something else. Uh, sure. Um, sure. So, and how know. do you? But yeah. How do you? How do you manage with that anxiety? Then how do you manage it? How do you cope with? I it? don't. I just have anxiety. Uh, now not not as much. But before, like the pandemic kind of melted my, 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 de whatever depression I had, it kind of melted it away, <laughs> you know, and it hasn't oh, really come back. I know some people had the opposite. The pandemic gave them kind of like yeah. depression and anxiety. Yeah. I guess I was already depressed and anxious beforehand, but like two negatives uh. made a positive, positive. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. oh, I don't have to do anything. And I'm, I mean, I was working at the time, but I knew I could get unemployment and I, you know what I mean? I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of nice. Oh, no pressure, no this, no that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was harder before and there's all these things you could do. Like, that's why Hollywood and actors are so into like wellness. They're so into like, you know, meditating and they're so into, I don't know what other things are, but you know what I mean? Kind of like hippy dippy crystal cycle. I don't want to call it cycle because I'm not judging it, but I get it because you're doing a thing where you just have no control over anything and you decided to dedicate your life to that, <laughs> you know? So you're just trying to be like, can I at least have some control over my mental health? You know, can I at yeah. least have that, you know? Like I remember the first TV job I got, like it was after a year I moved here and I met a guy at the table read. It was like for this Tory spelling uh, sitcom. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a part kind of like me, just like a few lines or whatever. and. That was just the first thing he got in 15 years. It took him 15 years to get a thing like that, you know. I don't know what he's doing now. Hopefully that helped him and he's doing better. But, you know, yeah. sometimes there's journeys like that. And some people, you know, they get really lucky. They come here and, you know. So you have to, like, kind of deal with that, too. Be like, well, what's wrong with me? It's like nothing. You're playing the lottery for a living, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Then, um. Did you start stand up alongside acting at the same time, or did something come first? Like... Stand up, it's a bit, it's a bit strange. No, I, I started stand up first, but uh, I used to do music. I used to be in a band when I was like uh, uh, sixteen, and I did that for like ten years. Went on tour, mm -hmm. did all this stuff, made albums, sold them, went on the road. And um, at that, while I was doing music, I met. Uh, guy, he's here now, and he's like headliner. He's done just for laughs, all that stuff. He uh, asked me to do sketches. He would do live sketches at the comedy yeah. club. He would do a stand up, and he would have like a sketch show with some people. So I started doing sketches with him, uh, and I was still doing music. And then he decided he didn't want to do the sketches anymore. He just wanted to focus on stand up. And he was like, "Hey, why don't you start doing stand up?" You know. Uh -huh. And I was with the girlfriend I was with at the time. She was very encouraging of that she kind of wanted she kind of like was pushing me to do it so i started just doing stand-up very casually back uh -huh. then i'd open my and the open mics where i'm from i'm from montreal canada yeah. they're not like yeah. here or new york city doing an open mic there is like doing a show <laughs> like you're yeah. going there there's 75 people that paid for parking and they're gonna watch you do stand-up <laughs> you know so it's like it was always kind of weird for me like i was like this is the open mic. i didn't know it back then i see it now when sometimes I visit back in Canada and I was like, oh, I'll go up at a mic, you know, and I see the local comics there and they're treating it like a mic. And there's like, it's like the biggest show I've done in nine months, <laughs> you know, like they're going up, they're like, oh, I'm just kind of practicing. It's like practicing for what? This is yeah, like, sure. what are you doing? You're not doing yeah, theaters, yeah. you know? So yeah, I never yeah, really, yeah. so yeah. I was doing it a bit casually like that. And, and honestly, it's so funny because back then, I wasn't even bad. Like I never really had bad sets because I yeah. was so detached, uninterested, and there was an actual audience. It wasn't a bunch of comics judging you. <laughs> you know, right. it was right. only when I when I was doing it seriously in New York, where I was like, okay, now I'm gonna start bombing all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. It's like once you care yeah. about it and you're trying to do it, you know. Yeah, it's um, a radical so, difference, yeah. isn't it? So I started with stand up, and uh, but I was. You know, taking acting classes, I was doing like, you know, these fringe plays, like community kind of theater. I really loved 
doing theater, even though now I just do like film and TV, but I really love that. I got off on that. It's very similar yeah. to stand up. It's you performing for an audience, getting immediate feedback. Yeah. And um, I didn't start really pursuing acting until I got my visa. I got a, I got a training visa in 2013. Okay. Yeah, 2013. Like that's basically when I started. You know. Wow. Wow. Man. Yeah. I mean, but it's all kind of like related, isn't it? I mean, you know, musicians, like they're used to being on stage, right? Like, and very much. Yeah. You know, like you have a huge leg up before you go into stand up. But like, yeah, because you... I, I never had the thing where I was, I mean, I was a little bit nervous because like right. stand up is also this thing. That's why actors, you talk to most actors, like, oh, I can never do stand up, even though they're acting on stage anyway, because sure. like it's really just you, like, as naked, you know, it's yeah. like, well, this is me. Uh, my yeah. it's my name. Yeah. I'm responsible for everything you're seeing here. I can't blame anyone. So it, it does have yes. that thing. Music. When we played music shows, sometimes hardly anybody's there. They're not listening, and it doesn't bother you. People because yeah. people can still be vibing out and liking the uh -huh. music they're hearing. Nobody's vibing out liking the stand up you're doing, not listening to it, and you're doing terrible. <laughs> you know, like stand up. You're either you're either doing. There's like no second place. You're either doing. Yeah good yeah. or it's yeah. bad and the better you become at stand-up your yeah. standards are kind of like well now if i didn't kill it was kind of a bad set or if i had to do my a material to have a good set it was a bomb like it's a weird like it's always like a self punishing thing you're always trying to be the best like, if you're not the best you kind of feel like not that you wasted your time but you know the you personal you, you notice that the personal stakes are a lot higher in yes. stand-up and um yeah no that makes a lot of sense <laughs> it's just funny what what did you uh play in, when you were in the band no i was the i i we were in a band and i, I was rapping I was you were the, the lead singer man. you were the, i was the lead the singer rapper. yeah yeah what was, was the name the rapper, of the band yeah. it was there was no name of the band it was just me and i just had a band we were just called we would we'd be billed under uh bow caliber and Bo uh, caliber yeah yeah, it was a long time so ago. I was. That's what you yeah. went by. That's what I went by. But sometimes I would go. Uh, like sometimes I go like on tour. Like I, went, I got to go around like Europe and stuff, and the band wouldn't come with me because they wouldn't. I'm not gonna pay for four other people to come. Uh -huh. So I would do both. And then by the time I moved to New York, uh, you know, by then our drummer kind of quit. Like his girlfriend didn't like him being okay. in the band. You know what I mean? Like. So I'm like, all right, I moved to New York and I tried forming a new band on Craigslist, you know, and this was kind of a <laughs> nice because in New York City, it's very like, yeah. I guess it's a metaphor for America. It's like, I'm getting responses from like delinquents eating their own shit. Yeah. And also like, yeah. I'm a touring drummer for Britney Spears. And I was like, whoa, okay, I need somebody who's kind of, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to offer you, you know, I went to Juilliard, motherfucker, you know. Yeah. Well, I was just right. trying to find people like me. So eventually I found another drummer. I had a, a friend I met in acting class who's like an amazing guitar player. He just does that now for a living. But yeah, uh, we were starting to do shows in New York and, um, you know, kind of doing pretty good shows too. Like I got to play like the, you know, the New Eureka and I got to open for like some guy that was on Eminem's label in Brooklyn or whatever. And uh, uh -huh. so we were doing it, but like there'd be things like, you know, New York is just like a hard, it's hard to get people together. It was hard to yeah. practice. I live in I live in a place with five roommates, you know, there's like right. six Listerine bottles in the, in the bathroom. Yeah. And yeah. then we start the show, we're going up, the drummer's not there because he can't find parking. Yeah. So I'm going up and doing the show without the drummer. And I was already doing stand up at that point. I even continued in New York. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I so then I, I moved from doing music. I was like, I'm just gonna. I started battle rap in New York. I joined. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, there was a league there. I think they're still around. It was grind time now, and I did a few wow. battles for this thing called. Um, man, it's really escaping me. It was like their little. It's like their smaller league. I had done. Yeah, yeah. I was I was getting into that. I was like, okay, this I can do on my own. Fascinating. And, yeah. And it was like kind of new at the time and um oh yeah the draft league that's what it was called it was new mm -hmm. at the time so it was like getting a lot of hits on youtube and you know mm -hmm. it, it was kind of a popular is that anything it mattered more than making music and a yeah. lot of those battlers were very bad at making music which was very interesting because like <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like sometimes you see comics they're amazing roasters they're really yeah. great at the roast battle 
right. they don't really do stand-up that's like not yeah. their thing you know so yeah. it was the same thing with this so i had done a few battles but then what started to happen is like yeah. you know i worked really hard on preparing and then i would go and my opponent wouldn't show up and i was like oh. and that was basically what i did for those four months <laughs> you know and it's like so annoying yeah yeah so then so, so and, basically stand up it was like it's like because you just rely on yourself and all these exactly. other people in music is like just they're just unreliable or time yeah i was like how am i going to get really good at battling if i'm not going to have the opportunity to do it as much right uh, oh. and um and also it was just like a, it's just like music is more of a young person's thing like i was i think i was like 28 no not 28 i was like 26 at the time and i felt old because there was like people about it they were 17 18 kind of like when i had started doing music i started 16. So crazy so, so crazy you don't you, whenever... yeah i never i feel young in stand-up still <laughs> you know but in, yeah. when i was doing that i felt old i was like yeah. i can't keep doing this and you know who knows sure. where it's gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna age out faster so i just started yeah only focusing on the stand-up and Interesting. it got me a lot more really than yeah what is it did. that what is it that you seem to love the most then is it music or is it stand-up or is it acting right now i mean it's probably stand-up most because stand-up is the closest to because even with acting the only acting i truly love that opens me up is doing yeah. the theater you know, like I did a oh, play in, in, in Fresno, a few, but you don't yeah. make any money <laughs> unless you're going to, unless you're doing Broadway or something, or unless you're really kind of in those super professional spaces. It's not like booking a commercial here. Anybody can book, like my sister can go book a commercial if she wants. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whereas, so with acting, the thing that I liked was the theater. I liked being on stage, having that focus, yeah. for like two hours, you have a full audience. It matters. You matter you whereas you or me we get a role in you know you do nine lines in a tv show it's like you kind of matter the least and it's really all about the writing how it looks there's a celebrity inside if you suck we'll edit around you <laughs> we just won't show your we'll show the back of your head when you say you're like you know like you just matter yeah. less it's more for the vanity of it like oh i'm making money and i'm important you know whereas yeah. so because of that, I'm not doing much theater. You know, I did that play in Fresno as uh, it was just like a thing that happened. I was able to do because it was pandemic. I wasn't missing out on much. My mm -hmm. agents were kind of OK with me doing it, you know. Um, so stand up is like the closest thing to that. I'm comparing the stand up on stage to acting. You're doing five lines in a TV show, which is usually what I'm doing. So between yeah. those two, I'm going to choose. I enjoy the stand up more. Maybe it'd be different if like I was the star of my own show and I'm really a part of it and I'm important. I might like that more, but I haven't uh -huh. experienced really anything like that to compare it to, you know. How do you deal with your agents? Like I I have this mid-size agent and sometimes like I get really irritated by them. Like mm -hmm. you know, I ask a simple question and I don't get a response. It's not even Oh yeah, that's popular. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like, how do you just deal with the stress of that and like just the temptation? To I don't have them, and well, because you're not really. I mean, at least for me, I deal with it by having very low confidence, and I don't want to bother them. <laughs> like I really kind of feel like I was like, well, I'm gonna leave them. Where the fuck am I gonna go? You know, who's gonna take me? Yeah. So this agent is the one. This agent is the one who knows me. You know, it's a different relationship with an agent with a manager if i call my manager which i don't really do either but if i call my manager email my manager she'll get back to me she only has you know 20 clients and yeah. her job is is that an agency will usually have like so many more like 100 200 so to them you're just like an ethnicity <laughs> you know to them you're just like well, I'll send you for this and that's it. They don't, so that's why you get, they get an email from you and they're probably not even seeing it. It's, it's a bit more impersonal. Now, obviously it varies, you know, I'm sure there's some agents that are not like that, but that's yeah. kind of been my experience. Um, I don't that's know if point. I get, the only time I ever get like irritated by an agent is if I'm, as if like there's something that's like a problem and they're not, they don't, they don't really understand like, I'm trying to submit an audition and it's not working and it's due in an hour 
and I'm emailing them, calling, they're not answering. Like, hey, this is important. This is not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, right. We're gonna, I'm gonna piss off this casting director for not getting my thing. In. But it doesn't happen much because sometimes I am always, I always have that worry. Like, oh, maybe now they're gonna drop me because I haven't booked anything in a year. Or you know, I mean, I'll have that anxiety, but a lot of that is just my own insecurity and low confidence. Because some people are like. I've seen some people that have never worked or booked anything and they're just super confident and they bother their agent all the time. They kind of act like a diva. And I was like, mm. wow, so you could do that. It's kind of like they don't even mind that they're doing it. It's weird. I'm more mm. on the other side. I'm used to whenever I had a job, I was scared of my boss. <laughs> you know, whenever I'm always afraid to get fired. I'm always, you know, probably how I was wow. raised. You know, you know, my parents were just a bit rough. But so yeah. it's like, I never really deal with it. If, if if my agent doesn't respond to me, I'm like, good. I wouldn't respond to me either. Like, I don't have, I don't really, I very rarely would even get irritated. I'm more trying to um, make sure they're not mad at me. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I, I do this on all of my podcasts. I just ask like a bunch of flashcard questions based on one specific K-drama and uh, okay. <laughs> this this show is called Our Blues. It's on Netflix. The series just ended a couple of weeks ago. It's a very good show. So I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions like, you know, based on a certain scenario and certain characters, and you just respond, what would you do if you were this person in this situation? So All right. think of it, think of it as like improv and just like play with it. All right. Mm-hmm. So. Let's say you're a man named Han Su. You work at a bank as a manager and you're very middle class, okay? You live and work in Korea, but your teenage daughter and your wife live in the US because your daughter is trying to have a pro golfer career. Now, your daughter's golf career is extremely expensive all right like just to pay a coach it costs like a minimum of several hundreds of thousands a year okay you're you're working in middle management your salary can't support that at all okay so you're deep in debt all right your wife calls you and tells you that she wants to give it up and move back to korea because this is way too hard she even says that your daughter after all these years of trying to be a golfer wants to give up you're flat broke but but your daughter's golf career is the only way out of the kind of debt you are in oh like i need her to succeed to me that's what yeah what do you do well here's the thing if you're telling me the daughter is fed up with it and the wife is fed up with it it's like i'm not I can't really push her to keep doing the thing. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I guess I would bring them back home. I mean, this is not going to be the, 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 the sexy answer, I, I'm supposing. Because I'm so, in the real show, they'll probably like, I'm going to push her to do it. But I'd be like, well, all right, come home. I'll declare bankruptcy or I'll get like three other jobs. Uh-huh. I'd ask her, oh, would you rather do this golf thing or would you rather maybe you also get a job <laughs> and contribute to whatever massive debt we're in? And then oh. maybe she'll be motivated to do the golf thing. But Interesting. Okay. So I don't know. I don't think mean... I, I, I couldn't push someone to do something they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Because that's Got been it. like my whole life. My whole life has been that with my family. And I don't think mm-hmm. that worked out for anybody. Hence you your know? anxiety. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's say... Let's say you're the same guy, you're Hansu again. You yeah. heard through the grapevine that your childhood friend Eunhee made millions just by selling fish at the market on Jeju Island, which is where you're from. Eunhee had a crush on you since high school, okay? Eunhee now, today, she's a single woman, all right? You invite her on an overnight trip to another city and you guys yeah. spend the night at a hotel and you're offering her wine and you're uh-huh. determined to borrow money from her and you're mm-hmm. willing to sell your body to her for the night okay? okay you you even lied to her by saying you and your wife are separated okay okay 
and you've been flirting with Unhee this whole time, really toying with her heart, really taking advantage of her crush on you in mm -hmm. high school. Okay, now, now, yeah. Unhee, yeah, yeah, yeah. she finds out from your mutual friends that you are actually flat broke, deep in debt, and desperate for money so that you could send it to your wife and daughter in, in America. And she confronts you to your face and says, what now? Are we supposed to sleep together? What do you do? Okay. Is my wife okay with me sleeping with this woman? Your wife has or... no idea what the hell you're doing. She's got no clue. Okay. She has no idea. Um... Okay, so she's confronting me about this. What do I say? I guess I say, yeah, yeah, I, I lied. We're together and I was trying to get some money out of you. Uh, so you just kind I of would just tell her that. Yeah, I, I, if they catch you, I mean, yeah, if they catch you, I'm really not good at lying again. <laughs> you know, like I could do one lie, but if I'm caught in the lie, I don't know about doing another lie to to cover it i can probably just come okay. clean hopefully i can still borrow money from her i don't know these aren't sexy well, you, answers you, 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 they, they're really not you're terrible at this because i'm sure somebody would say because I, I guess the sexy answer would be uh me and my wife are in an open relationship and uh i'm still trying to put my daughter to follow her dreams to golf but i'm willing to do mm. whatever you would need me to do with as much strings as you would decide are attached to do what i need to do to put my daughter through golf school wow you know? but it's more i would just feel bad cheating on my wife you know yeah yeah if she's okay, okay with it then it's kind of like all right then where's the you know where's the matter Unless I'm really just not attracted to this person, but um, hmm. interesting. Uh, okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's say you're a guy named Chungjun now. Okay, you're a uh, you're a fish boat captain. You're a young man. You're like in your late twenties, early thirties. Your job is to take female divers. This is a this is a con a cultural concept in Jeju Island in Korea. They're called henya, and there are female divers who go into the open sea and they uh, harvest like abalone and oysters and and bring them to shore and they sell them. It's been like a tradition for centuries there. There's this one girl there. Her name is Youngwook. She's a young woman. She's okay. very pretty. You have a huge crush on her. But she's okay. known throughout town for being a major flirt, a floozy, and a liar. Okay. And you okay. start dating her anyway, despite all of these things. But she keeps walking away to take a mysterious phone call multiple times a day and won't explain to you what is going on. What do you do? Probably nothing. I'd probably just like have fun and like, what do I care? I'm not, I'm not married with kids in this scenario, right? No, but you love this woman. She's your girlfriend. Yeah, how old is she? You guys, she's a few years older than you, actually. You're in your early oh, 30s. Older. She's in her mid-30s. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that would just let her keep doing, as long as we're having a good relationship. Okay. I would assume right. our relationship would be good enough that whatever the, those other things are would just go away. And okay. if they don't go away, uh, and... Then it's like, and then I, then I will, it'll be like one of those, I can't have control over the only control I can have is with us. I can't really have control over That's some true. guy. She was probably banging before I was even in the picture, <laughs> you know, there was no. Hmm. Okay. So. Interesting. All right. So you assume it's a guy that is from an, it's an ex-boyfriend. That's what you assume. Okay. I'm being, right, right. being hidden. Yeah. Let's, let's deal with the, the next question then. Let's say you're a Chengjun again. You're the same guy. Youngwook, she says that she wants to break up with you and okay. she goes to the airport to pick somebody up. You mm -hmm. chase after her and when you get okay. there, she has a twin sister in her car who has Down syndrome. All and right. you don't know what to say, so you just stare at her. And then Youngwook, <laughs> okay. accuses, she accuses you of staring at her disabled sister insensitively. What do you do? Um, if I, if she's upset that I was staring at her sister with Down syndrome, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess she looks like you. So I couldn't take my eyes off. 
She looks like she looks like you when you're drunk. I don't know. <laughs> no okay. apology for that, you know. All right, all right. Okay, that's a good answer. All right, all right. Let's say you're you're young oak now. All right, you're the young woman who's accused of all this lies and whatever treachery in town. Everybody hates you, okay? You and your boyfriend Chung Jun and your disabled sister Young Hee are at a restaurant and an mm-hmm. eight-year-old boy is making faces, pointing and laughing at Young Hee. What do you do? I'd probably get pretty pissed. Um, mm. how, how old is it? How young is this boy? Is he like eight or He's 15? eight. He's eight. Um, the immature uh response that i had was i would probably find something like just as bad that i could do to this kid to pick on him <laughs> you know and it's like does you like it when someone does it to you but yeah it'd probably be like it'd probably either be kind of move the sister away so she doesn't see it you know and maybe say something to the boy's parents be like hey can you like you know put a fencing mask on this kid or something you know like <laughs> Does that, like, can you do something? Do your job? Yeah. You know? Fencing mask. Give me one I second. Let me plug in this it. thing. Sure. Sorry about that. My battery was going out. Okay. No problem. Okay. These are good answers. Okay. Let's say now you're a different lady. You're a you're one of those veteran um, sea divers, the Henya. Okay. Your name is Chun He, okay. and you've been doing this work for like sixty years. All right. You raised okay. a bunch of you raised a bunch of sons doing what you do as a single mother because your husband died when you were very young. All of the sons you raised, however, died uh, at an early age, except for your youngest son. He's the only okay. one that's living today. Okay, he has a wife. He has a five-year-old daughter. Your granddaughter Ungi, the five-year-old kid, she's staying with you for a couple of weeks. Okay, but weirdly, your son is not picking up any of your phone calls. And somebody uh, in your town thinks that maybe your daughter-in-law is having an affair and ditched her daughter at your house to be with somebody else. So you call your daughter-in-law and she's not picking up the phone either. What do you do? Man, if all my kids are dead, I feel like I wouldn't even be thinking, I'd be thinking more like, does somebody drown my kid? <laughs> I would just be more, I'd be so paranoid about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, what do I do? I just try to get there as soon as possible. I really wouldn't give a fuck about the affair. Like, if I'm like 80 years old in that scenario, it, that doesn't mean anything to me, I don't think. Uh, yeah. It really just be about the safety of my kid. And mm-hmm. if it's just him having an affair with some woman, I'd be like, I just want to make sure she's not going to kill him too. That's really all I care about. I don't, yeah. I, won't, I don't really give a damn about any type of home wrecking at that point. When you're like 80? Like, you don't care about yeah. anything at that, like, you know, yeah. you don't even care yeah. about yourself dying. So I'm really not, that's yeah. all I would care about. So I want to make sure this okay. kid doesn't die until after I'm dead, you know? Okay. Good point. Okay. Yeah. Let's say you're the same woman. You're Chun Hee again. You find yeah. out the truth. You find out the truth that your only living son is actually comatose after a severe car accident. And he's lying oh, up God. in a hospital and he's brain dead. The hospital bills are racking up and your daughter-in-law just didn't have the heart to tell you that your only living son is currently comatose. What do you do? Yeah. Man, I don't think anyone's going to want to, there's no, there's no customers for me to sell my body to at this point (laughs) at 80 years old. I don't know. What can I do? I, uh, I'd probably like cry a lot. Uh, Maybe like give him a hug, shoot myself and my son <laughs> like, at the same time, you know, just like, do... I was like, I mean, put me, put me in a, co- I smash my head against so I go, put me in a coma too. Maybe we'll meet in coma land in the Odyssey. We'll meet in the, in the Odyssey or something. What a terrible life. How did I live this long? How did I make it to 80 through all these dead kids? Was I killing these kids and eating their adrenochrome? <laughs> like how was... I feel like if I, I feel like if my dog died, I would die like next year. Like I, I would, I'd feel so bad. Yeah. 
It's yeah. only living till 80. Maybe I wouldn't even give a fuck. Maybe at that point, I was like, you know what? It's just part for the yeah. course. Let's just, you know. I would ask my, I would ask this, this, this woman, like, will you pretend to be my daughter anyway? I need, I need some living uh, wow. being that I don't feel like a complete failure. Murdered yeah. every single one of my kids. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, something you can do. I'd either uh, make the best of it, try to adopt this girl, or I would uh, kill myself. <laughs> one, one of those two. But I couldn't, okay. I, it can't be like my kid in the coma dying and I'm just going to go on with life at 80 yeah. something years old. It's too you know, sad. There's got to be some, got to be some change. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of return. You're right. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Let's say, let's say you're Unhi. Okay. You're that, you're that lady where that golfer daughter guy was trying to like seduce and shit. Okay. You're Unhi yeah. now. You have a childhood best friend named Miran. Okay. You're kind of dumpy and chubby and a brazen woman. Like you've always had to be really tough throughout your lifetime because, mm-hmm. you know, you have a bunch of younger brothers that you had to feed and, you know, your parents were no good. So you just had to really work hard to like make a living and you succeeded. And and uh, men are terrified of you because, you know, you've got this tough exterior, but all, all your male friends adore your best friend, Miran, because she's so hot, okay? Miran got mm-hmm. married twice in her life, both of which ended in divorce, and men go crazy every time she comes back to town, all right? Mm-hmm. You, you wrote in your diary just to vent, you wrote some nasty things about Miran, okay? You said that she's selfish, that she takes advantage of you, that, you know, she she thinks she has you at her beck and call, that she treats you like a servant. But then one evening, Miran tells you that she read the nasty things that are in your journal and she confronts you about them. Uh, what do you do? Yeah, yeah. I probably, like, die of humiliation. <laughs> I probably be so, like, embarrassed of that happening. Um probably just like a you know what i would like over the top like you know apologize and cry i would like beat myself up so much in front of this person that like she feels bad for me <laughs> it was just kind of like like a mental illness of its own i know people that do that but like like a pity like party test sort of but like i'm like no no no, no. I, I would i would i would let her punch me in the face like a few wow. times Holy shit. Yeah, that's, it's embarrassing. Because is she a good friend? Is she a good friend? You, or guys, she you guys are supposedly best friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If she's legitimately my best. Because there's another side. You could be best friends, but it's really like you're only best friends because you've been friends for long and the friendship is shit. So it's that's kind of like that. It's kind of oh, like that. See, that's, that's a bit. I would still be humiliated, but if the friendship is shit, you say, hey, you know, you found that shit for a reason, and I wrote that stuff for a reason. I'm just oh, wow. sorry you saw. I'm sorry you saw it. <laughs> you know, I didn't want you to see it. And the fact that you went and read my diary kind of like, you know, yeah. like I'm going to write that now that you went in my diary <laughs> and you read it. Like I would then, in that case, I would I would use that to end the friendship and just call it the universe helping us out, you know. Okay. And at least when the friendship is over, that should be good for me. And uh, she'll kind of really see what I saw about like it's not like I told a bunch of people it's just in my it's like oh she really thinks I must be a terrible yeah. person if like my best yeah. friend doesn't like me and yeah. that'll be my kind of subtle revenge for our shitty yeah. friendship so, okay so yeah I guess I would do it so I take back the other thing because the other thing I thought like she was a good person and I was the good guy, but, yeah you know now we're no, both no. now we're both kind of bad guys maybe so. yes yes okay yeah 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 that's fair enough. Yeah. Cause you know, that happens all the time, right? Like, you know, you think you're best friends because of the time that you spent yes. together. Nostalgia, but it's like nostalgia. Nostalgia and memories and good times. Mm-hmm. But it's like the friendship yeah. itself in the present moment is pretty toxic. Then it's like, what do yeah. you do? Is this person still my best friend? You gotta like, get out. Cause you don't know where that's going to go. Reassess. You gotta get out. Yeah. 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 It's a I reality. It's a reality bad, with know. adulthood, I think. Yeah, it's a reality. I think it's a reality in uh, adulthood in smaller towns. When it's like you grew oh. up with the same people you're friends with in your 40s, uh-huh. you know, and like, yeah. and like you really can't, you can't imagine losing, losing, losing a, a sister or a parent or something. Huh, interesting. You know, I feel like in New York, LA, even if you're a, like I lived in New York with not knowing anybody when I first moved there. But you're just so stimulated 
and you just meet so many people incidentally that like, you're not really like, you know, what's worse than loneliness is boredom. So just you not getting bored is kind of like keeping you coasting along. Whereas like if you're in Akron, Ohio, and you're both lonely and bored, that sucks. <laughs> That's uh, that stinks. But I would be lonely in New York or LA, and it's like, yeah, right, whatever. Huh. At least I'm not bored. Yeah, boredom is really is the worst thing. Really? Wow. Yeah, I think so. That's so interesting. Because you'll only think about your loneliness when you're bored. If you're super stimulated, it's not really, you know. So you're saying that loneliness is high is easy to cover up by stimulating yourself. Yeah. Yeah, stimulation is like the drug that like you don't focus on the loneliness so much. But if you have no stimulation, if you're just like, you know, you work at the Quiznos and <laughs> in Baltimore and it's like, well, you know, you're going to feel that loneliness. Fascinating. Head on. Fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. That's why these small to towns. No, 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 no. It's fascinating to me that you're saying that loneliness is something that should be covered up to get rid of boredom. Because if you are bored, then you will be so aware of your loneliness that you're going to want to yes. die. But it's like, Probably. instead of saying, yeah. right, but you don't, but you just don't say, but why not just cure the loneliness? You know ideally, I'm saying? I'm saying if I'm saying if you can't, I mean, ideally, you want to cure every little problem you might have. But yeah, it's, it's loneliness. Like the, the root, the root problem here is loneliness. Yeah. It seems like it's yeah, not yeah. even boredom. It's not either or. It's, it's, like it's the root it's, problem yeah, yeah. is loneliness. Yeah. So it's just but funny can, to me that you're like. I, I think about you always hear about these these high powered executives or famous people. They go like, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm just very lonely. But they they don't they kind of still have a very nice successful life. You know what I mean? Whereas if you didn't have that, that loneliness will just eat you up, I find. And I think, I think loneliness, so. I think so, yeah. I think so. I think we live for like friendship and whatever, family, relationships. So, I mean, and sometimes it's a state of mind. Some people have a ton of friends and they're still lonely. They have a family that sometimes it could just be you know my I, I just i just feel thing. like i just feel like you're trying to say how lonely you are in some weird way it's like you're, you're, nah, you're not at all with this topic you're like really caught yeah. up in it and it's like i'm like why is he talking about this so much i don't know i don't know where it started from but it was something about being in a small town and having nothing to do feels very lonely i'm basically comparing having nothing in a small town to having nothing in a big town and if you have nothing in a big town, it's just easier. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, then, yeah. um, speaking of small town, let's say you're this 18-year-old boy. You're in high school. Your name is Chung Hyun. You're mm -hmm. in love with your childhood friend and upstairs neighbor, Youngju, who is also 18. Youngju, okay. She, she is pregnant with your kid. All right? She wants to get an abortion, but you don't mm -hmm. want her to. To make I things keep worse. Yeah. You want to keep the kid. She wants to get rid of this kid. To make things mm -hmm. worse, your father and her father hate each other. They oh, used God. To be, like Romeo and Juliet. It's, yeah. it's like Romeo and Juliet. They used to be best friends when they were young, but something happened, and mm -hmm. now they hate each They fight every time they see each other. Yeah. And you're just this boy. You're just this 18-year-old kid who knocked up your girlfriend, and she wants to get yeah, rid yeah. of the kid so that she can go to medical school in Seoul. That's been her plan all her life. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly I'm an idiot. I'm 18 years old, <laughs> and I want to keep this kid that badly. Uh, nothing you can do. All I can do is plead. Like, no, please, I want to keep this kid and, then, and cause a lot of problems in my family and ruin my <laughs> life. And you're like, I could say that, I guess, but I'd probably just go and like, just like, I just wait a few years and make another one. I don't really, I don't know. 18, wanting to keep a kid. Is very like I'm 37 now, and I feel like am I ready to have a kid? So I can't really put myself in the shoes of 20 years younger, wanting to keep my kid that the person who's having it doesn't even want. Yeah, I'd probably just swallow it. Like that's all I could do. You can't, you can't really like force them. Like they're like, no, no, I'll make sure you don't. Like, assuming we're in a place where you can get an abortion, I can't really stop her from getting one. Like it's not my hands are tied, really. I would just maybe okay. feel bad, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know, I really want to be a dad, pass on my 18-year-old wisdom <laughs> to this child, but 
I would just deal with it. Drive okay. over. I don't know. All right. No. All right. Let's say, all right, this is the last question there. Let's say you're young Jew now. You have a chick, all right? You're 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. You grew up with a single father, all right? He raised you like the most precious only family member that he's he has, because that is the truth. You had yes. sex with your boyfriend and neighbor, Chung Hyun, just one time. You guys used protection, but you got pregnant okay. anyhow. And you want to get an abortion because your dream is to go to medical school. You're the top in your class. You're the smartest mm-hmm. and you're, you are destined for medical school. All right. Yes. But the doctor that you go to see to get an abortion at, he's yeah, yeah. he's insisting that you bring your parent in to give you approval for this Ooh. procedure. And this doctor is a male doctor and he is extremely yeah, yeah, yeah. rude to you. And he's calling mm-hmm. you a slut. What do you do? Okay, he's calling me a slut. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably go see another doctor. Is that an option? <laughs> Can I just go see a different one? Because <laughs> like, yeah. I would, I would, I either go see another doctor or I would wait till I was further along and try to lose the kid by accident. Or something like I would stand behind a door. So when someone opens the door, it presses into the stomach. Oh my god! Like so a miscarriage, whatever way. If I'm 18 years old, I don't really want to have a kid, and it's gonna like prevent me from becoming a doctor. Like I guess have like three kids later. Either I just see another doctor, I get pretty pissed off, and then I'll become a doctor, and then I'll confront the guy, the other doctor who called me a slut. And I'd bring yeah. it up at the doctor's cocktail association or something <laughs> uh yeah i would just i don't want to have the kid i'm in a place where i don't have to have the kid i'm not happy right